We're continuing our series, uh, Bad Religion, today. This is second week. Uh, Bad Religion, one of my favorite punk bands uh, from Southern California, Greg Graffin. My man Kevin gets it. Uh, yeah, Greg Graffin, um, super atheist, though, and uh, titled the band Bad Religion because he hated religion. Um, and it, it, the reason being is it was, it's his view, or it was his view, he's less intense now, but it was his view that uh, religion is basically a way to control people and a way to um, keep them from being liberated to live their best life. And uh, in some ways he's right, but in, uh, I think that, that, that Jesus actually says he's, he's really, 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 really wrong. Um, today we're talking about uh, rules and regulations and traditions. Uh, for those of you who are, you know, big like holiday people, it was actually a really difficult transition uh, for Aaron and I when we got married because um, Aaron's family is very much like, you know, it's on the day. Like, so if it's your birthday, then you celebrate on the day. And, you know, if it's Christmas, you celebrate on the day. I didn't grow up that way. Uh, a lot of times during, on December 25th, we were in the car driving up to my grandparents' ranch to celebrate Christmas because there's no traffic on the 25th of December. And so it was, it takes a 13 hour drive, turns into a 10 hour drive, and that's a big win. Uh, and so it was very odd to me when we got married and, and it was like, well, it's, you know, it's, it's Christmas. And I was like, uh huh. It's just another day. <laughs> like 25th of December, 24th, 23rd, who cares? Uh, and, and that, well, I mean, I, I don't care. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't matter. Doesn't, but it's a big deal to Aaron. Uh, uh, just yesterday, Alice was like, you know, Dad, I, we, I haven't had a really big birthday party for two years. Now I was like, oh, well, let me tell you something, Alice. I didn't have any birthday parties growing up. I had two. My entire growing up, and it's not entirely, uh, it's not my mom's fault. Don't blame her. Uh, my birthday is 420, uh, Hitler's birthday, Columbine Massacre, International Pot Smoking Day. Um, and my mom, uh, my mom is a CPA, and so on April 15th, she has a very big deadline. And so for the months heading up to that, she had a lot more to think about than my birthday. And so I just got, I, I just don't care. The only thing I care about is getting the presents. Like, I don't, I don't need, I see my friends plenty, so as long as I get what I want, don't care about the cake, don't care about any of that. Not so for the Air Bear. Air Bear, very important. And, and, and so that was just an interesting, and it's just a different attitude that we have towards Tradition towards uh, rules and regulations. Aaron tends to be a rule follower. I tend to be a rule bl- breaker. I hate rules. I like rules for you, not for me. Um, and, and today we're going to see a, a little bit about what bad religion can do with rules and regulations and traditions. And so let's uh, read this text. It's from Matthew 12. Um, we're going to be talking about the Sabbath. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry. And so they began to pluck the heads of grain and to eat them, which sounds kind of gross, but if you're hungry, you're hungry. When the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. You're not supposed to do any work, right? If uh, on the Sabbath, you're supposed to have your meals cooked already. And so we'll talk a little bit more about that. But but so they shouldn't be doing that. They should already have prepared for this. And, And the Pharisees are very upset. And so Jesus responds to them, Have you not read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, ate the bread of the presence, which is a special bread only supposed to be consumed by priests. Right? It was not lawful for him and his companions to eat, but only for the priests. Jesus goes on. 
Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple break the Sabbath and yet are guiltless? Well, that's because they're working in the temple, right? And on the Sabbath, there's going to be worship services and they're doing it. Um, and but it's not illegal for them because that's their job. I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. But if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus isn't done. So now he's going to go to the synagogue. He left that place and entered their synagogue, the synagogue in the area. A man was there with a withered hand, uh, probably like a paralyzed hand. Maybe you've seen someone with this uh, affliction. Um, So uh, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath, the Pharisees ask? They might accuse him. He said to them, suppose one of you has only one sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath. Really? Are you not going to lay your hands and lift it out, lay hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is this human being than a sheep. So yeah, it's lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And then he said to the man, stretch out your hands. And he stretched it out and it was restored as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. Well, one of the difficult things as Christians is we don't really understand the Sabbath. It's a very odd concept to us. Um, for a number of reasons. But I, I want to kind of fill out, uh, backfill what Sabbath was for Jewish people and really what it's supposed to be for us as well. And actually Matthew tells us in this, in this, in this section, in this pericope, he describes the things that you're supposed to be doing on the Sabbath because the disciples and Jesus and the man with the withered hand are actually doing them. So notice this. The disciples are hungry. They began to pl- uh, pluck heads of grain and eat. Eating is actually supposed to be a big deal on the Sabbath. And so that's why Jesus brings up this bit about David and, and the, the, the bread of the presence. Because uh, eating, feasting, food is something that you're actually supposed to be doing on Sabbath. What else are you supposed to be doing on Sabbath? Well, you're supposed to be hanging out with your friends. Uh, do we have the, what's the next slide do I have here? Yeah, Jesus and his disciples are hanging out. They're, they're together. There, there's no work to be done today. And so since you don't do work on the Sabbath, instead you spend time with the people that you love and care about. And this is why Jesus, uh, Jesus brings up David and his companions. David and his companions, were, they, they wanted to be together. They wanted to eat together. They wanted to fellowship together. And they couldn't because they were in uh, difficult circumstances. Well, there's one other very important thing that you're supposed to do on the Sabbath, and Jesus and his disciples do it. Where do they go? They go to the synagogue. Oh, just skip that one. Yeah, they go to the synagogue. They're, they're going to worship. What you're supposed to do on the Sabbath is you're supposed to eat, you're supposed to hang out with your friends, you're supposed to worship. Um, that's, so if you look at the Old Testament law, those are the three main things that, are, that, are, that the Sabbath is set for. Um, Maybe you've seen uh, this show, Blue Bloods. I don't think it's on anymore. My dad loved it uh, for a while at any rate. Um, and I watched one episode, but it was too, like, they were just too nice and good. I didn't believe in these people. I was like, there's no family like this. Uh, they're, they're all a bunch of, they all work for, like, the police or the district attorney's office. They're a big family. I think they're, like, Boston Catholics or maybe they're New York Presbyterians, whatever. But, like, the trope, one of the things that happens on the show is at the very end of the show is Sunday dinner night. And so they go to church on Sunday morning, and then the family gathers, the extended family and sometimes friends gather, and they just they, they hang out around the dinner table, and that's where they kind of process what's happened during the week. They enjoy each other's company. Um, and it's actually, it's a very, very biblical look at what Sabbath is supposed to be. 
Now, that's actually really hard for us. Uh, I mean, if if you're honest, do do any of us really practice this? Where we we set aside a day and we worship. And then we go and we spend time relaxing with our friends and family. And then we feast together. Gosh, that sounds a lot like what we're going to do today. Hey, that's neat. Check it out. Uh, we'll come back tonight at 5.30, and we, like I said, we got, you know, 500 pounds of turkey. We got to roll through that. Invite all your friends and family. Let's hang. I'll talk more about that. But it's a very countercultural notion, the idea that we would set time aside. And, and, and yeah, so, so that's the first thing. The first thing you need to understand is what is Sabbath? Sabbath is this. Sabbath is God set it aside, set this time aside. Uh, he made the Sabbath for what? For, for uh, food? For friends and family and worship. That's what it's for. In fact, the way God thinks, God himself rests on uh, the Sabbath. God thinks that this is integral to being a full and complete and healthy, thriving human. Like you're not a good human if you're not setting some, some time aside for food, friends and family and worship. It's part of what it takes for us to be fully what God wants us to be. I know this uh, because I lived in Japan for a couple of years and they do not have Sabbath. I, uh, I, I went to Japan, I was an English teacher, and what I found out was that when I was staying home on the weekend, uh, during Saturday and Sunday, all of my kids, all my, my students, they were at school doing this. They were very cute, but very, very intense. Uh, I, actually, in 2002, just before I got to Japan, they outlawed uh, making the kids go seven days a week to school. Uh, but in, but the, 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 the schools and the parents were upset about this because they wanted to teach their kids, you know, what a good work, work ethic. So even though they weren't allowed to teach the kids on Saturday, they made them come and practice sports all day long. Crazy. Well, but that's Japanese culture, right? I mean, when you become a salaryman, you get a day off. No, you work as much as you have to to get the job done. That's crazy, right? What the heck? This is America. Can you imagine someone getting in the way of your weekend? Like, you'd go nuts. Do you know how, uh, do you know when weekends were invented? Does anybody know? 1908. The weekend was invented. Yeah, it was a New England uh, cotton mill. And uh, they had workers who were Christians. And so ever since Christianity kind of took over, uh, Sabbath start, uh, the Sunday was used as a Sabbath. But there was a whole bunch of Jewish immigrants who wanted to work at the, at the cotton mill. But their Sabbath was from Friday to Saturday. And so the, the owners of the cotton mill got together and they were like, well, maybe we should just, you know, give them Saturday and Sunday off. And the Christians were like, thank God for the Jews. And it, it caught on really fast. People were like, wait a minute. We, two days off a week? Every week I get two days off? Sign me up. The, the, the thing was, though, the, the deal was you had to show up on Monday sober. That was like the, the trade-off. So you get two days to do what you do. But then on, on, on Monday morning, that was the very first time in human history that people got two days off. 110 years ago. In fact, uh, the, the Jewish people were extremely weird in the ancient world because they were the only people who didn't work seven days a week. Now, to be fair, rich people didn't work at all. 
Um, and that's what the stories and the histories are about. But common, normal folks, peasants, they worked every day for their entire lives unless they were sick or they got a special you know, day off from their boss. But that's it. They worked. The Jews and the Sabbath, the Sabbath comes in, breaks into this, and God says, no, that's not what human life is supposed to be about. You're not supposed to send your kids to, to play sports on these crazy teams all day Saturday and all day Sunday. Oh. Uh-oh. No, there, there's supposed to be this time. I, I want you to set aside. You, you were made to worship me, to feast, to be with your friends and family. You were made for that. And, and, and I, I declare, I'm making a rule. From now on, no, no, none of this seven days a week work nonsense. That's over. We're, we're, I'm putting a stop to it, God says. God says, instead, you will obey and you will rest. You will enjoy your life at least one day a week. You will flourish. That's what, it, that's what we need for you to flourish. Interestingly, uh, now the, the weekend has just taken off worldwide. In 110 years, um, it's gone. It's it's in every continent now. Um, it's it's all over the place. And studies have been have been done that show when you give people regular rest, they perform better at work. Who knew? So isn't it odd what the Pharisees are doing? Like, think about what they're doing, right? They're like, okay, here's this day that's supposed to be set aside for people to eat, to be with their friends, to worship God. And they're, and they're, like, they're like, no! You need to do this, 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 and this. But how dare you? You should go hungry on the Sabbath. That's what they're telling the disciples. You should go hungry. You should starve on the Sabbath to prevent so that you don't break the rule. They're like... This guy, you, you, should, you should be unhealed. You should be, especially if you're unhealed, if, you're, if you have a deformity like that, you're not fully included in the community of faith. You're not able to worship. You need to stay that way. We would rather have you stay that way than break the rule of working on the Sabbath. God said the rule, we've got to keep it. And here is Jesus like, are you serious? Are you, are you kidding me? The whole point was to make sure that everybody got to be included. Everybody got to rest. And, and you're, you're turning the Sabbath into another work day. You are literally replacing the Sabbath with the very thing it was supposed to supplant. And you're, why? why? That's why Jesus, the, the critical part of this text is when Jesus responds to them, he quotes from Hosea 6.6. 6. He says, uh, if you'd just known this, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You wouldn't be after these people. And, the, and what Jesus is talking about there, mercy in the Hebrew is chesed. Um, this is the Greek translation, but that's what it's translating. It's, it's faithful love and commitment. And God is looking at the people of Israel, and Hosea is the prophet. He's telling the, the, the leaders of Israel, you've missed it. Your, your whole point was you're supposed to be committed in love to each other and to God. And yet you, you oppress the people. You make sure that you follow all the rules, you sacrifice all the, all the times. But what God really wants is for you to do right and to love the people that you rule over. Stop making it about killing cows. And start making it about loving people. When Jesus says, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath, he's saying, it's a way of him saying, the Sabbath is made for us, not us for the Sabbath.
See, there's this, this thing, there's, there's this way that God operates, right? When we, we look at, like, like Greg, uh, Greg Graff in a, a Bad Religion, we look at rules and we think that's bad. Rules, bad. Liberty, freedom, good. But the way that God operates is he makes these rules to help us flourish, right? That's what, that's, that's what, that's what they're for. The, the Sabbath is the, the, the best example because it's literally about making life good for people, so the next thing you're noting is God made, uh, God makes rules so that we can flourish. Bad religion uses those rules to hurt us. And this is across the board. And this is really, it, it, for, when Christianity gets a bad rap, it's because we have a tendency to do this. We take the rules that God made for us to flourish, and then we, we foist them on people and, and, and hurt them because of it. Now, you read the Old Testament, you're like, there's some weird laws. If you're curious about it, I'd love to talk to you, because they really are all about making a community that flourishes, loving each other and loving God, and even the weird ones. They're really about that, just for a different time and context. So my setup from the 90s, 95, I think, was when I completed this. Uh, this is my room uh, in 1995, Sega Genesis, uh, replete with Mortal Kombat, uh, a lot of my friends were not allowed to play Mortal Kombat because they're like, you're killing people and there's blood. My parents were like, go for it. Like, we, we want you to be, you know, just totally not offended by violence at all. It's a good thing for you. Like, oh. Now looking back, I'm wondering, but what, 19 inch Sony Trinitron? <sighs> That's legit. That thing weighed 75 pounds. 19 inch. Uh, I got the dual cassette. Uh, Sony stereo. This is the nice thing about being an only child. You get the stuff. That's what I was talking about earlier, right? I didn't care that I got, didn't have a birthday party as long as I get that Sony Trinitron. Give me the Trinitron. I don't care about people. Um, so it's got the dual cassette because I, I liked to tape songs off of the radio. You know, you used to do that. Uh, and then I had the five-disc chain- changer. You know what I'm talking about, Jeff. The five-disc changer. I mean, you could have literally every Pearl Jam album as of 1995, in, uh, at any time, you just, whoosh, legit. 1995, I think that's when I went to high school. And so um, I, I had this setup that was the envy of every 14-year-old in the universe. Um, but there was a problem. The problem was that lights were out at 10. Lights out at 10. Um, I may be misremembering this. I, it's all foggy in my head, but I think it was 10 o'clock. What do you think? Yeah, maybe. Okay. So the idea was, all right, you, Tom, you get your homework done. You know, you do your thing. Uh, you know, get back from practice. And you can have fun until 10. At 10, it's lights out. If you want to stay awake, that's fine. But all you're allowed to do is read. <sighs> can you imagine trying to focus on reading when you're, when you're, when you're sitting there? You know that if you're sub-zero, you can, like, do a finishing move. Or, I'll stop. Uh, it's a little bit violent, but it's pretty cool. Liked it a lot. And then as I, you know, as, and, and I'm like, parents, this is the worst. Why are you oppressing me? Why are you doing this? And they explained it. They explained the reason for this is because you need to sleep. Because we know that if we don't do this, you won't. You'll stay up all night. And you'll play these games. And you'll flip the channels. And you'll listen to the music, which will keep us awake. And we don't want that. We, this is for your good. 
okay, all right, makes sense, fair enough. You know, if I want to be a functional human being, should get my six to eight hours of sleep, that's good, okay. But as I got older, got to drive, the, the, the rules changed a little bit. You know, first it was like 11, and then it was 12. But you got to be back by 12. The reason they changed it to 12 was because I was working at Borders, the, the, the bookstore that is now a trampoline park uh, down in the pit over there. And, uh, and I got off at 11. So I, so I would get my, my hot dog from AM, PM, uh, go home, go to the bathroom immediately, uh, and then, <laughs> and then, and then uh, you know, try to relax for a few minutes, you know, before. Uh, and so they, they, they changed. And then it got to the point where I went to college. It was the craziest thing. I remember the first night at college, I was like, man, this is weird. All the lights are on. Everyone's running around. It's 3 a.m., <laughs> this is cool. <laughs> I like this. <laughs> it's because, you know, you, so when you're younger, you need the protection of the parents. Like, you need your, your eight hours. You need to get into a habit to learn that. And then as you get a little older, you get a little more freedom, a little more responsibility. Uh, and, you, you can do, and then at a certain point, you're like, okay, we're going to let the rule go. And now it's up to you to make good choices. And if you don't make that class at 830, just don't try to think about how much money you're paying. Okay, because it's a horrendous amount and you're going to be in debt the rest of your life. The point is, of course, that, that rules and regulations and traditions, um, are, are, they, they start out as a really good thing. We need them. We have a tradition. I don't know how long. I think I've been at this church for like 31 years, something like that. Um, and as far back as I can remember, we have always had the Thanksgiving feast. I got a picture of the setup yesterday. It was awesome. I like that picture of Billy because you can tell he's doing something like really masculine. Um, and then you can't see it, but me and Lloyd are like standing around doing nothing but looking busy. Um, it's an amazing event. It's wonderful. And again, invite your friends, anyone on, off the street, bring them. We'll feed them. Um, we'll sing. We'll, we'll pray. We'll, we'll have some games and fun. Um, but I remember last year, uh, during the COVIDs, um, or the extreme COVIDs, uh, I, the board we, we met, we had to decide whether or not we were going to have the Thanksgiving feast, right? Because uh, we were in the depths, so the numbers were up. And so I, I, I'm like, oh, man, don't have to set up for another event? Awesome, let's just cancel it. There was rioting. I, I was almost burned at the stake for my heresy. I'm like, how, what, no, no Thanksgiving feast? We would rather everyone in the church die of COVID than not have the things. Like, okay, okay, staff and elders, all right, you do, okay, gr- great. But you got to understand, like, this is going to be pretty divisive. It's going to be pretty intense. Because, yes, we have this tradition, and this tradition does bring us life, and it's really awesome, and it's wonderful. But it can also conflict with some people's views of how things ought to be going. And we have really got to tiptoe th- through this thing. So we had, like a, like, a, like, a COVID table with spacing. We asked people to wear masks. You all didn't because... You're you. What? I'm not saying... You're, you know how you're supposed to do it. You... I was at the airport a couple months ago, and uh, there was this girl, and um, she had a big, a big bat of, of Twizzlers. But she wasn't eating them. She was just touching her mouth with them, so she didn't have to wear a mask. I watched her for like an hour. She took one bite. <laughs> People are going to do what people do. I, what do you know? 
the, the, the point, of course, is that, uh, is that you have these traditions, and they, and they bring life. And, and our tradition for this, it really does emphasize. It brings together feasting, family, worship. Um, it, it's, it's, like, it's like Sabbath all wrapped up in this beautiful two-and-a-half-hour package. It's gorgeous. It's wonderful. But you can't hold so tightly onto any one thing, even, even the Thanksgiving feast. If it starts to hurt people. Now, I can't imagine the Thanksgiving feast hurting anyone. And we won't be quitting that anytime soon. But I do think it's important for us to recognize that, that you know, the things that we think are normal and, and, and should be, the, they, are, they are the way they are, and we think that they should never change. You never know how things are going to change. You don't know how circumstances are going to going to alter. You don't know what people are going to be going through. And if you get so tightly held to this way of doing life, of these rules, these regulations, these traditions, if we, if we hold them so tightly that we're willing to run over people and oppress them, well, that's bad religion. Remember what Jesus says. What he, he says, if you just understood what the prophet meant he said, I desire mercy, committed, faithful love, and not this exact perfect ritual, and not this, 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 this gift to God, and not, if you remember what it's really all about, it's all about people coming and flourishing as, as parts of a deeply embedded community, loving each other, loving God, flourishing the way God wants. If you, if you remember that that's what it's about, you won't get so wrapped up and so, so tightly held to, to, to this regulation don't dance. That's the, don't listen to rock and roll. Don't do this. Don't do that. I mean, Christians have, over the years, we've done a lot of things that we just, you look back and you're like, we really might have kept some people out there. We really might have hurt some people. We really might have let our, our rules and our regulations and our traditions, there's nothing about in the Bible. Become our gods. So that's the, the last thing in your note sheet. What, what good religion is, what, what, what Christianity is, the, the Jesus-following religion, is, is a, it's an attempt to balance the reverence for good rules that protect and help flourish with the real needs of people that change. And it's, 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 it's a very, it's a, sometimes it can be a really challenging, really brutal, difficult uh, tightrope to walk, but we, we have to do it because, especially now in the 21st century in a very post-Christian society, that there's no expectation that anyone should be here on Sunday. There's no expectation that anyone should, um, you know, wait to have sex before they're married. There's no expectation that anyone shouldn't just, you know... <clears throat> get rid of any pregnancy that they don't like. That's the world we live in. That's the people that we're interacting with. That's the people who are coming to us. That's the people who are starting to learn what real flourishing life looks like. And if, and if, we're, if we're too quick to smack them, then we might miss the opportunity to minister to them. We 
which brings up a couple of questions. And if you want to jot some of these down, that's great. If you don't, that's cool too. But, but, but here's a, a few questions that, that I would like us to honestly consider uh, in our own lives. What rules, regulations, and traditions are we holding that are hurting people? Now, there are some rules and regulations we can't get away from because they're commanded by God. You just, you got to do it, right? That, th- those are off limits. But, but there are things that aren't really commanded by God in the Scripture, and yet there are things that we hold on to very deeply, and they might be hurting people. And I don't know what that looks like. In your family, perhaps, you've got ways of doing things that might be, you know, hurting your spouse, your kids, your parents, your grandparents. In your, in your work, uh, you might have a way of, ways of doing things that are hurting your colleagues, your employees, your employer. What are the, the sacred cows, the Thanksgiving feasts, that maybe aren't causing flir- people to flourish anymore? Number two, this is the flip side. What rules, regulations, and traditions are protecting and causing flourishing? Um, gosh, it's so important. One of the things that I really have learned uh, by being married to Aaron and by respecting the rhythm and the structure of, you know, of traditions, and I, I see how that benefits our kids. They, they really do. They love the... the they love the structure of knowing that this is what we're going to do on Christmas, and this is what we're going to do on Halloween, and this is what we're going to do. The, 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 that, that's a really good, healthy thing. And there's lots of that in our lives. There's lots of that in our families. There's lots of that in our work. And we have to be, we, have, we should isolate, recognize it, be grateful for it, honestly know it's doing what it's supposed to be doing. And maybe start sharing that with other people whose lives are a chaotic mess. Last but not least, and this is a, uh, this is, the, this is the one that makes me cringe. Because I like my freedom. America. What's the line? It's like uh, the, the First Amendment protected by the Second Amendment. Isn't that like the thing? Jacob, that, you, like, you have a shirt that says that, right? Yeah. Love that. That's America. Um, and Americans, we don't, we don't like this typically. Um, but maybe there's parts of our lives that could use some, some rules. Maybe there's parts of our lives that are out of control. Maybe there's very little of the, the rhythm of tradition uh, in our lives. Maybe there's very little of the, the control and discipline that a good rule or regulation can, can, can help with. It's okay to start bringing new rules and regulations and traditions into our families, our church, our work, all those things. The, 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 the thing to avoid is turning those things into the unbreakable commandment. And maybe there's some things that we need to do in our lives. Maybe there's some, some hard decisions we have to make. Maybe we need something like a Sabbath that can help us flourish. And let's pray. Gracious God and Father, we thank you for the gift of, of the rules and regulations and traditions that you've passed down to us. We confess and know that they're meant to help us flourish and not to hurt us. And yet, God, we also confess that we can turn rules and regulations and traditions into weapons, into ways of exclusion, into ways of oppression, 
God, I pray that this church and every family that's here that will be in a constant process of evaluating and balancing reverence for good rules with the real needs that we as people have. And that when people look at Coast Bible Church, they won't see a rigid, regulated, tradition-bound institution. Instead, they'll see a place that that prioritizes committed love, faithful love over rules. Open our eyes, draw us with your spirit to to new rules and regulations, to, to, to overturn old ones, to be adaptable. However you need to shape us, God, we invite that now. And in all things, we trust that you rule, that you're in charge. That no matter how chaotic or rigid our lives can get, that you're the king. You're the one on the throne. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.